welcome to this edition of the DMZ America podcast, episode 60. That's a six in an O. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. I'm Scott Stanton. I'll be coming to you from the right. Be coming to you from the left. I'm Ted Rolf. Well, that is easy. Okay. And you're also coming from? St. Petersburg, Russia. Not Florida. No, I, I have been there too, and it's almost the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> Um, is it really uh, yeah no that, that's that's a that's a, a a total true fact except for being false <laughs> speaking of much which like, much like the much like the much like the la times <laughs> um did you ever hear anything back from anybody on sorry i have to do this what are we doing Ted's giggling and staring, but I can't tell what's going it's on. International. Can you hear it? Not really. All right. Never mind. <laughs> oh, well, that would have been a good moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, technology blows. Anyway, <laughs> I can insert it later in post, post as we call it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so, I mean, um, LA Times, not, there's no no blowback, no. And that uh, have they bitched at each other? A little, they pissed on each other a little bit more. I haven't really been following the story. No, um, I can't. No, I can't get too much into it. But I can say that there will be some uh, stuff coming on behalf of my side uh, soon. Oh, I can't really go beyond that. Okay. To say that it was suggested to me by someone I trust and rely upon that uh, I should probably, probably, um, you know, there's, there's some things that need to, there's, there's some unfinished business from 2015. Okay. As you know. Well, stay Uh, tuned podcast listeners. I don't know. So I, so who knows? I mean, I, I mean, I think what's interesting about it is that the LA times thing is like sort of a standoff. You have, both sides calling each other liars and fabricators. And, uh, you know, normally in media, that means a lawsuit or two is is coming, or it should be. I mean, you know, I don't know if I want to live in a world where journalists, uh, their reputation is so bad that they don't care when someone calls them uh, a fabulist. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think uh, being, there's, yeah, you could smell there's a lawsuit on its way, and I, but again you know keep an eye on it because i don't know yeah anyway so on 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 nearer to where you are kind of in a way in a global (laughs) sense (laughs) speaker of the house nancy pelosi uh uh even though the president of the united states of her own party asked her not to went to taiwan uh you know went to the souvenir shop went to the duty-free shop i guess and then left Um, well she met with the president too no she did and she uh, did she address their Congress? I can't remember. I can't. I don't know that part. But the Chinese, of course, the the uh, the uh, People's Republic over there on the mainland is pissed off as hell because now she's not the highest. Is she is that the highest ranking American elected official to ever go there? I believe that's true. I don't think any United States president um, sitting or former has ever been to uh, the Republic of China on, on Taiwan. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't even think a vice president has been there. So I think it's an interesting, third, here's my thoughts on it. 
U.S. On all of this. Also, the uh, assassination of al-Qaeda leader who has happened to be hanging out in Kabul, much contrary to what you've heard from Ted Rawl say about the relationship of the True. Taliban and al-Qaeda. True. But he was hanging out with family and friends. Uh, I'm an uh, al Zawahir, Zawahir, oh God Almighty, Al <laughs> Zawahiri um, was a, a, cru- a cruise missile which they swore killed only him, and two of them hit. I thought it was. Tech. I thought it was a hell. I thought it was a Hellfire missile fired by a Predator drone. Yeah, okay. not the, a cruise missile. Did I say cruise? Okay, I'm sorry. Different things, right? A drone again. A drone. If they had a fire flamethrower drone, much cleaner. <laughs> Much cleaner. But but they didn't. So um, here's my question to you, Ted. What would have prevented the mainland Chinese from throwing a missile at Nancy Pelosi? I mean, given well, the, given that we just helter-skelter bomb people that we don't like, no due process, no none of that nasty constitutional, you know, claptrap that we <laughs> that our law enforcement are handcuffed by. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, why? I mean, this... To me, those two things are very strange. On a side issue, the Pelosi visit goes right along with the assassination. I'll tell you why. Democrats are already seen as weak on defense and weak, just weak, generally weak. Coming into the midterms, they can now quote that they killed the head of Al-Qaeda. And Nancy Pelosi told China to go fuck itself. And she went to, you know, she went to Taiwan. Um, would that be a safe I think analysis? That's true. I think that's a safe analysis. Uh, I don't think I think that what Democrats uh, and that Democratic analysts are not really considering is the fact that right now foreign policy is just not on Americans' minds. Um, they are thinking about inflation, inflation, and inflation, uh, and with a little bit of concern, uh, some people who are smarter are worried, like that the uh, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates is going to <clears throat> first destroy the housing market and then tank the economy and push us into a recession. Everyone's thinking about economics these days. They're not, and more generally on sort of the sense of rudderlessness, uh, you know, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the sense that there's real no strong leadership. I mean, I guess foreign policy is a way that we can project strength, but even so, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi is the one who went to Taiwan, not Joe Biden. Joe Biden going to buy to Taiwan <clears throat> would project some sort of strength um, to the extent that Americans know or care about the uh, Taiwan China uh, you know issue or no or really I don't think it's very it's been in the news enough in recent decades for people to even have a really much of an opinion about it um, and as for the assassination of Al Zawahiri um, you know I think. Al-Qaeda is, you know, yesterday's news. I mean, look, Al-Qaeda is not around anymore. Um, the United States, you know, he was retired. You know, the United States um, hasn't been um, attacked uh, by a, you know, has not suffered a terrorist attack in over 20 years. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it seems like, uh, it, it's sort of like a, it's not like the, it's not like the murder of, of Osama bin Laden which had tremendous symbolic resonance and would have had that resonance 50 years later. Um, you know, no one, most Americans couldn't have told you who Al Zawahiri was. I mean, what percentage of like employees at major newspapers do you think if you had just mentioned that name, Iwan Al Zawahiri would even be able to identify who he was? I, I, I certainly not half. 
I think they and could I, have. No, I, I'll tell you, you know how people identify him? Photographs, because he's uh, yeah. kind of goof glasses and that weird bump on his head. Yeah, and he's got like sort of bug eyes. And there's a famous photo of him sitting uh, and enjoying a cup of tea with Osama bin Laden. But they they wouldn't know him by name. You, you knew Osama bin Laden by name. Uh, you know, this jumped into people's feeds. It's going to be like, oh, I guess he was some terror guy. And then tomorrow, this is forgotten. I mean, this mm. is not this is not going to move the needle by no, in November. It's just and not. I would, I'm going to jump in on something you also said that we haven't been attacked in 20 years. And the intelligence communities and the um, military agencies would say that's because they've been doing things like this and significantly disrupting their organization, killing their leadership. Um, I think they, they would say that. I mean, I think that's extremely arguable, but you are right. They would say that. And I do want to speak to your correct point that, um, you know, I have long said that the, that Al Qaeda and the Taliban were two very different things and that they were not, you know, you know, uh, you know, cozy allies. And obviously uh, this is a story, the Al-Sawahiri being in Kabul came as a huge surprise to me and to a lot of other people who follow the re uh, the South Asia region and uh, Islamic terrorism. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm I'm only speculating here. I guess what probably happened here is that Al-Zawahiri was in Pakistan and needed a, and assure, gave assurances to the new Taliban government that he would not be active in terrorism uh, and would live peacefully in Kabul. Um, and he just asked for hospitality. Osama bin Laden made similar assurances to the Taliban when he lived there before 9-11. You know, he left before, you know, on the, a few days before 9-11 to go to Pakistan. He was not in, he was never in Afghanistan during the supposed years we were su supposedly searching for him there. I think the Taliban kind of request, they, they generally offer hospitality uh, in exchange for an assurance that you won't be pulling any shit while you're hanging out at their crib. Um, and Al Zawahiri is an old guy. I mean, he was retired. Al Qaeda is not doing anything anymore. So I suspect that happened. But I would want to hear more. I, this is a story that's. I mean, clearly, um, there. You know, I don't think it's like an active alliance because you can't have an active alliance between one a government and a, a group that doesn't exist anymore. But it's certainly. No, a but according to some intelligence people on reports this morning, there it certainly does exist. It still wants to be a player in the. I guess there's a terror community. So <laughs> they have terror terrorcon or something. Um, but I totally um, want to go to terrorcon. <laughs> can, can you can, can you imagine? Can you imagine the lanyard? <laughs> it's a bulletproof vest. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a suicide vest. <laughs> so okay so going back I want to, to see the, I want to see the I want to see the burka babes at the booths oh man they actually show some ankle that's pretty hot <laughs> um yeah. so Pelosi um going to Taiwan is this a thing I mean I, I really do believe that this is part of and parcel of a, of a fall campaign by the Democrats to show see we're not wusses that's that we we take out terrorists and we even though the president of China tells us not to go we go um, allegedly reports this morning that President Biden a few days before had asked Speaker Pelosi not to go. Yeah. And she went in, which tells you the strength of the White House at the moment. <laughs> well, it's, it's it, the whole thing is a little weird. I mean, look, I don't really know, um, you know, the sense that the idea that the that the Chinese would shoot down her plane or something. 
I mean, no. you, your point is well taken, but you know, the comparison with Zarahiri, but, mm. but the fact is, look, the, there's only one country on planet earth that says that it has the, that, that asserts the right to invade the foreign airspace of, of sovereign nations and murder their, murder their citizens or other people who happen to be there just because we feel like it. Um, that's only the United States does things like that. Um, the, you know, China has never asserted such a right. Um, China doesn't drone assassin, you know, no one does. I mean, you just, no one does it. Um, so it's a, uh, it's just not something they would do. I mean, I think, look, the, the Chinese are in an awkward position to say the least. They're not going to war to get Ty to get Taiwan back, but they want it back. They want to get it back sort of slowly, economically, the way they got Hong Kong back, sort of slowly. They just want to glomb it back on. So I don't know. I, I think on the so they can't like they've got to complain, but they can't like risk World War Three over it because you know it's not worth it. I mean, the, the leaders of China are a lot of things, but they're not stupid. They're very careful. Well, they are having war games now near the um, near the island of Taiwan. Um, it's a, it may actually the uh, naval maneuvers may actually effectively make it an embargo. Now, how long they do that, who knows? Um, and will that impact, say, air traffic to Taiwan and Taipei? And who knows? Again, I, you and I have talked about this issue before, and we both kind of, I think we agree that just recognize Taiwan as a sovereign nation; it's become one. Um, it, you know, they don't run, they are not the exiled government of mainland China. That's a fabrication. They are not part of China. That's a fabrication. They are not, you know, they're an independent nation with its own. Now it's been independent for long enough where they can claim, you know, their own culture, their own identity. I mean, just become an independent True. and it's still, and it still would be a bust in, you know, at the seams economy. I mean, it's really doing quite well. So, but the U S uh, should, but the U S should not. Uh, grant a request that has not been asked. You right. Know? I mean, yeah. the U the, Taiwan has not requested independence. Um, the there's been no declaration of independence. Um, there's no. So therefore, I mean, I I'm pretty sure I'm ninety percent sure that if they did declare independence, nothing would happen. There would be a crisis like the Suez crisis, uh, but you know, in the end, nothing would happen. I'm not so sure. I think China would really take umbrage. It would give the uh, the Politburo and the party an opportunity to show its toughness, to show that we are not going to be fucked with. I'm looking at their policies in the South Pacific there around, you know, when they kind of build an island and say, <laughs> dibs. Um, You're obsessed with that island. I'm obsessed because I think it's so brilliant. It it, it it is so diabolical. I just love it. It's just like, it would be like me putting a, you know, Building an overhanging uh, you know, uh, uh, thing, a structure, a porch over your fence and onto your property. Well, it's that's like, well, not unlike. That's not without precedent, Scott. You know, if you ever, I mean, I know you've traveled to your, uh, European cities and you've been to the medieval quarters of those old cities, like in Paris and so on. Yeah, and and they did that. They would build outcropping uh, extensions of their homes that stuck out over the street. You've seen those, like in oh, yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's so it's the same thing. It's just so I would just be like them saying, you know, building a a another Channel Island off of California, and just saying ours. We could do that. There's no reason why not. 
Well, we can't do it there. We couldn't do it. And there's new islands that pop up all the time, like from volcanoes and stuff. Sure. That's not what this is, but okay. We could say like a Vulcan, Vulcanette. (laughs) I just, I I am obsessed with it just because I think it is so brilliant. And so, like I said, diabolical, it's just perfect. I love it. Um, And that's why I'm obsessed with it. Um, Getting back to Pelosi, I mean, does this, I mean, you're not really addressing me, uh, the, the political side of this. Do you think yeah. this could be a very concerted effort by the Democrats at high levels to say, you know, we're viewed as pussies. We're not. We, we need to do something to show that we're not. So kill a terrorist, high profile terrorist, tell the mainland Chinese to go fuck themselves. I mean, that's that's pretty good theater. It's good theater. But, he, uh, you know, I always think that when there is a generalized perception that one party is better on an issue than the other, that it take, it, you, it's almost impossible to change that perception, even with some high profile, you know, symbolic moves like this. So, I mean, Republicans have the advantage in among American voters on foreign policy. They always have in terms of toughness and national security has always been the Republicans bailwick. I just don't see, I mean, it's one of those things where you might tell voter after voter, look, they killed bin Laden. Look, they killed al-Zawahiri. Look, they started ISIS accidentally by funding the Free Syria Army. Look, look, the Democrats expanded uh, Bush's wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Look, uh, you know, drones, that's mostly a Democratic thing. Um, You know, they could say all that, but everyone would be like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And Americans being totally not fact-based would just say, yeah, but Republicans are stronger on national security. And that would just be it. I just think that's, I think that's kind of how it works. I I don't think, um, you know, for people, I I think maybe for some, what it, what it really is, is more, I don't think it's going to change anything, but what it does is it reflects the fact that we are like now in the middle of a dramatic on foreign policy political realignment in the same way that the Democratic Party and Republican Party switched places on domestic policy between 1928 and 1932. And the Democrats became, uh, you know, the, the party of big liberalism uh, and uh, and caring about the common man, and the Republicans became the party of big business. This is exactly like that, in that for the last, I would say, 20 or 16 years, um, the Democrats have now positioned themselves as becoming more hawkish, more interventionist, more militarily aggressive than the Republicans, uh, especially the Trump wing of the Republican Party, which is extremely skeptical of interventionism uh, and really sort of sounds like Pat Buchanan, but without the vocabulary. Um, you know, it's like it's just uh, you know, basically like America first. Uh, you know, why are we spending $60 billion on Ukraine when we have homeless people here and we're not guarding the border? That's a realignment. And so it's a reflection and it's interesting, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to move the needle this, this fall. You know what I think may move the needle though, Scott, since we are talking about this and we, we didn't say we were going to talk about this. So I apologize Um, if I, but um, the election results that just came out yesterday from yesterday's um, abortion vote in Kansas, uh, where uh, there was a statewide um, 
initiative ballot initiative asking the citizens of Kansas whether or not uh, the state legislature the, the state constitution should be stripped of its abortion rights provision um, with heavy turnout uh, it was defeated the it was uh, defeated 60 percent to 40 percent meaning that an overwhelming number of Kansans support abortion rights and I think that that really that just that that news really has made me rethink my idea that that Roe v. Wade overturning isn't going to really change much this fall. I think this it really could benefit the Democrats in a dramatic way. Um, I think I, so, too. A lot of races now are tightening up. I mean, you and I a few months ago, I was particularly talking about a Republican slam dunk in the fall. I'm I'm backing away from that. I, uh, that's not I don't know that that's going to happen now. And here's the and it comes down to what I've said over and over and over and over again, Ted. This country sees itself as 64, 63 percent Democrat. I mean, it's overwhelming, but mm. they don't fucking vote. Don't now, vote. when they get in the, what you just saw in Kansas, what you saw in the 2020 election, they got out and they voted. Um, right. And they, they were motivated in Kansas. They were yeah. pissed off. They were motivated. And the turnout was high on both sides. I, I think it means a lot. I mean, look, Kansas is not really a bellwether state. It's really a it's really a red state. Oh, and very much. Very much. It's, yes. it's Bob Dole country. Right. I mean, and it's um, so for for those people to have come out so overwhelmingly by a two to one margin, sorry, a uh, three to two margin, um against uh you know in favor of abortion rights tells me that a lot of purple state a lot of swing voter a lot of even a lot of cons uh, conservatives traditional conservatives are, are deeply uncomfortable with the complete the idea of completely banning uh abortion and, I think and that's well and on a bigger issue on a broader issue uh or, or the across the board Trumpite candidates in Arizona and other states won their primaries. Right. You know, the 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 batshit crazy, you know, conspiracy spouting QAnon. QAnon, the election was stolen bullshitter is is now the nominees in a number of races. Now, you know, I it's going to come back to what I just said earlier that uh, the the number of re Republican voters is pretty small. They vote. I mean, a much larger percentage of them vote because they're usually 107 years old, bitter white people. They get out and they vote. Um, if the left is motivated enough, if the Democrats are motivated enough, you could see this tide turn. And uh, then I think you see Donald Trump not run in 2024 if I his candidates get trounced. I, I'm still comfortable in saying, I, I agree with your analysis, Scott. I think that um, the House, I think, is still a foregone conclusion that it's going to go uh, red. Um, I think uh, the Speaker's chair is going to be in the hill, you know, no longer Nancy Pelosi's next next year. But the Senate, yeah, that's a little iffier. I mean, you know, it could it could stay the way it is. Um, They've nominated and, nutbags. I mean, that's the thing, Ted. The, the, the Republicans, I mean, these guys are batshit crazy. I'm going to fly a huge flag from the back of my car. Kind yeah, of. but the thing is, those people do win. I mean, they I, win. Look, they don't I, win I, Senate races. Well, they might win. Um, Ted Cruz won the Senate race. I mean, Ted Cruz know. had a track record prior to this. I mean, first of all, if I was in Texas, my God, Ted Cruz could go to fuck himself because I mean, if anyone, anyone 
anybody, including my good friend Ted Rawl, had said the things about my father and my wife, we would not, not, not only would we not be friends, if I saw him again, I'd punch him in the nose. But Ted Ross is like, oh, okay, do I get more power? Cool. Okay. You want to make fun of my penis? Here it is. Look. See, Ted, Ted, Ted Cruz, not Ted Raw. Don't, don't, that's not us all, all of us Ted's are the same. Um, uh, <laughs> Ted Cruz. Yeah. Ted Cruz. Yeah. Is yeah. People, like, and people, in case people don't know what you're referring to here, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, <laughs> sorry, Donald Ted, Trump. Donald Trump accused Ted Cruz's um, father of being the man on the grassy knoll help, who helped to kill JFK. Yes. Literally. Yes. Literally. And and even after that, Ted Cruz endorsed and campaigned for Donald Trump. Well, and he also made fun of his wife's appearance. Right. So, you know I what? I don't remember what he said, but yeah. I'm trying to remember. I don't have the quote in front of me, but yeah, he, 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 he yeah. So fuck him. It's you know, not that, necessary. To, yeah. Uh, but- yeah, no, I mean, Ted, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, even my home state of Ohio, you know, J.D. Vance is doing great, and he's a turd, and and he's exactly the kind of guy, a bullshitter, that the Ohio I grew up in would never have countenanced on, on either the Democratic or the Republican sides. Well, stay tuned. Obviously, the, we have a long way to November, but it looks like the Republicans have got all in on the Trump, you know, the Trump uh election bullshit and just trump he still controls that party yeah no that's that's definitely true okay so let's uh call this a segment and we will go and uh take a quick break get some more coffee uh ted i know it's late there in the the uh it's not former it's not. oh well then stay up get some get some, what do they drink there vodka get some more vodka vodka <laughs> Lots and lots and lots of vodka. Lots and lots of vodka. And everything else. They drink. They like whiskey, gin. They like to drink. No. Russians? I've never, ever heard that. Never I disclaim that for our Russian listeners. Which can, can actually, while we take a break, can you do me a favor, Ted? Mm. See if you can get our podcast there. Because you're getting blocked. Oh, a lot of okay, stuff is getting right, blocked. I'll check. All we'll right, find out. We'll tell you right after, right after this break. You're listening okay. to the DMZ America podcast. I'm Scott Stance coming to you from the right. Ted Rawl coming to you from the left. We'll be right back. And we're back to the DMZ America podcast. I'm Scott Stantis coming to you from the right. And coming to you from the left, I am Ted Rawl. Just before the break, Ted was going to look into whether or not we are a big enough threat to the, to the Russian state that they would block us? And the answer is... Yet. <laughs> they, they do not fear us. <laughs> they, they do fear Go Comics. They um, fear Go Comics? Yeah, Go Comics is blocked. <laughs> and it's blocked ruthlessly. Like, like um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are, are blocked technically. Uh, in retaliation oh. for the fact that the West blocks RT and Sputnik. But, um, and so it, when I first got here, it just didn't work. But I noticed sometimes it does. Um, like you can tweet sometimes. Sometimes really? not. Yeah, That's like sometimes you just reload your app. You like swipe it out and then like reload it and it'll come back. So that the, the whatever technology they're using for the block is about as effective as what Biden's doing to bring down energy prices. And <laughs> and um, but like the, but go comics, man. You can't get in, man. What the, what, what do you see when you try to go in? All over that shit. 
when you try to go in, what do you see? Nothing. What happens is it, the site just doesn't load. It's like a 404 error, times out. Wow. Okay. Because I remember being in uh, Dubai. And Ted, I swear on the head of my children, I was not looking at porn um, for you know, a change. It's time for everything. <laughs> But I was trying to go on and for the life of me. I can't remember what the page was. It was it was a news site. It was a I Googled some kind of news page or I was just looking for news. And what, what popped up instead was a cartoon of a woman in a burqa shaking her finger at me. <laughs> you did you take it? Did you take a screenshot? I should have. And I didn't because I'm an idiot. I, took, I, I, I take screenshots of these funny things um, on the on the version of I, I wrote a column. Uh, about this trip to Russia, and it's on my website right now. And I put in like some of the screenshots of the, you know, on at raw.com that show uh, that like what happens when you try to like get to Twitter or Facebook, you get these uh, Russian messages that, you know, kind of are in, in, in translated into awkward English. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the woman <laughs> saying, no, no, no. Iran, oh, no, no. same thing. A lot of things like Facebook were banned. Was that because of the Islamic revolution and it's against? I mean, you know, I don't really know the reason. I mean, they whatever. They have beef with Facebook for some reason. They just didn't want people to see it. Mm. Um, but then, you know, Google, thank God. Oh, my God. Google Translate is the most amazing thing. I mean, so, you know, I don't know if you know this, but like you can you can Google Translate now has a photo uh, like widget inside it. So you can aim your 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 iPhone or uh, your Android phone device at let's say a, a street sign and it will as it's holding there aim focused on it it will overlay the English translation over the sign we tried that in France but that was golly two three four years ago and it was awful because it kind of flashed it's really fucking good now it works well especially I mean, in a country with Cyrillic you would have to have that it would seem to me yeah, I mean, what's funny is that when you're around, when you're around Cyrillic all day long, after you know, there's only twenty Cyrillic characters, right? In 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 the, there's a twenty twenty uh, what would you say letters of the alphabet in Cyrillic, and you know, it's pretty easy after a while. It's kind of like a primitive code. You start to realize, like, oh, that's that, that's mm -hmm. that, you know, and it starts to look familiar. So speaking of uh, catching diseases in strange countries. <laughs> just saying um we were going to touch on monkeypox real quick and um you know of course the world is still reeling from the pandemic the covid pandemic which is not over by the way people are still catching it's still dying from it true uh it still doesn't I seem to be know that as here man there's not a single mask nobody well and that you have to wonder about that because the numbers coming out of the out of russia did you see i almost said soviet union <laughs> That old habits are hard. Old to habits die hard. Um, can you hear the siren? No. Oh, good. Okay, the sirens are going off. It's it's Wednesday here in um, in in the south, and they're testing the tornado sirens. But it's really nasty mm. weather right now. So, what if they test the sirens when there's an actual tornado? <laughs> well, tornadoes follow a strict rule of never coming around like at Monday at twelve noon. So, this is true. Yes, that's is true. Uh, but the weirdest tornado story, just side note, I'm sorry, ADD kicking in, but side story, tornado la hits LA County. This never happens. I mean, you imagine, it just never, ever happens. Ted, you, I will not bet you any money because you get it off the bat. Can you imagine what the tornado hit? 
It would hit L.A., huh? The Hollywood sign? At Trailer Park. I'm oh, not kidding. <laughs> so, well, you know, Scott, I, I, I don't remember that. I used to know the particulars of this, but someone did a study and found that there's actually a uh, meteorological re-explanation for why uh, tornadoes seem to strike trailer parks more than conventional brick and mortar homes. Because God and, hates poor people? Uh, well, God, yeah, that's clearly true. Um, but also, uh, but there's some reason there's some, I swear to God, there's, there's, this is not like, it's one of those things that we've all observed and, uh, from one news story after another, but apparently tornadoes are attracted to them. Um, there's something about, I don't know, the, the heat that they generate or I don't know what it is, but, but there or is don't, some, or don't because they don't they, hit cities. No. Oh, okay. they, they, they never hit cities. Um, although there were there have been little tiny like micro tornadoes like for example in queens new york a few like maybe about 10 years ago or eight years ago there were some like micro tornadoes that sort of fucked up people's homes in like one section of the mm. sunny side section of queens well like i was you know and speaking of monkeypox <laughs> So you're not you're not seeing any masks worn there, but they didn't. And the numbers out of Russia were pretty suspect. They were very low. Um, they took, as you said, no precautions because men do not wear masks, apparently. Right. Yeah. Um, well, but monkeypox, monkeypox is something very different. And I'm wondering if there's no there's only 63, 6,800 cases in the world right now. I mean, that's nothing. Uh, and it seems to be impacting almost exclusively the gay community. It mm -hmm. looks like it is uh, communicable through some part of the sex act. Uh, and they're not exactly sure what, I mean, I mean, well, a, I mean, what do you mean they're not sure exactly what, I mean, I mean, what, if it's, if it's in, only in the gay community, primarily, then there's, there's only kind of two explanations. For male that. gay community, yeah. by the way, the male clear. gay community, right? Like, um, so there's only two possibilities that's only it's either that it just happens to be in that disease vector and that assumes that gay gay guys only hang out with other gay guys which is not true right um right or or there's some particular type of sex that only gay men do have that is um responsible for spreading my, monkey box, right? That's the, am I missing something? No, no, no. It's the same as AIDS. You know, when they said that, I mean, when that... Although AIDS is more complicated because AIDS, it turns out, um, people really don't realize there was a huge problem with um, shared needles and uh, there was a huge heroin problem in the club scene uh, in particular uh, in the gay community in the 1980s. And it turns out that a lot of victims of, uh, you know, HIV... In the in the during the AIDS crisis in the eighties, were uh, actually junkies, right? And that they shared needles. They didn't die from it. wasn't contracted sexually. It was contracted oh. needles. Yeah. So in the so if, if this if it's yet another pox, literally on on the gay community. I mean, is that why no one seems to be paying any attention to it? I mean, we're, you hear reports, of course, and someone is reporting on it. So it's it's ludicrous to say we're not hearing things because we're talking about the reports still very low <laughs> numbers still um yeah and you're right ted obviously it's transmitted through 
uh, male gay sex. Uh, it seems to be uh, the same as AIDS, but it's just, uh, should we, what should we be doing at this stage other than I think putting up warning signs, trying to go into the communities and saying, don't have unprotected sex, which, you know, um, and I'm reminded of and the it, book. And it is, it is treatable, right? So, I mean, I, I think the whole, the whole, the whole point is early detection, lots of testing. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. Lots of testing, early detection, widespread, easy, easily, easily available treatment. And this thing will, this is like a conversation we could have had two years ago about COVID. This thing will burn its way out and it will be gone. And then uh, hopefully everybody who's going to get it will have had it and will have developed some immunities and been treated. And that'll be the end of it. I mean, it is treatable. That's the they thing. Are, that, and they already have a vaccine for it, by the way. So if you're in yeah. a high risk community, if you listen to this podcast, I really do urge you to go get vaccinated, please. If you're in, the, if you, if you, you know, if you're in the gay community and participate in gay sex, then I would ask you to please go get vaccinated. Obviously, ask your doctor first. Don't say, "Well, you know, a cartoonist told me to do this," because <laughs> <laughs> that carries very little weight in the medical ask community. Your, weirdly. Ask, ask. Ask your cartoonist about <laughs> yes. side effects side may include, include may, may include stupidity, idiocy. Oh my God. We were watching Hulu and they have these commercials and they're on constantly and the medications, especially for depression and schizophrenia. And they say side effects may be feel, feelings of sadness or, 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 or feelings of depression or suicide. And I say, isn't that why you're taking the meds not to have those feelings? I'm just that's saying. Not, that's my understanding. I'm yeah. backing away now. But anyway, so yeah. So ask your cartoonist well, well, I mean, if you I, I do think that we have I, I wanted to, you know, focus on what you asked there. I mean, there's a I look, you and I are both old enough. Um, I went to a lot of funerals. I lived in New York City in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I I I had to buy a really, you know, it got to the point where I had to buy a nice black suit because I was going to so many of them. Um, there's uh this does feel the same in that. Uh, basically in the early in the early stages, the first year or two of the AIDS crisis, at least in New York, where I lived, um, there was a sense that like, look, this is a gay disease, doesn't affect straight people. Um, and so really like, uh, hey, I hope, you know, I hope they get better. I hope they figure something out. But I don't personally care about it. You know, I'm not personally afraid of it. Um, I don't want any of my gay friends to get it, obviously, but, and I, I'm, I'm getting, you know, like nobody's even really talking about monkeypox, but the vibe that you sort of get is sort of like, what about this monkeypox thing? Oh, and then people say, oh, it's just a gay thing. Oh, okay. I'm not gay. No worries. You know, and obviously that's not very, uh, you know, charitable or um, no. communitarian and no. it's not, cool. and we're, you know, look, if, if it happens to them, it ha it's hot. Whatever happens to, uh, you know, gay people happens to straight people, too. And I think, you know, what sort of one little interesting, one of the many interesting things that came out of the AIDS crisis was that, you know, the group ACT UP kind of convinced, I think they kind of lied, but they kind of convinced the straight community that they could they could all drop dead of AIDS, too, uh, and that they all needed to start using condoms and that, uh, you know, it was going to be, you know, that that if they didn't reach you know basically if we didn't reach out and help save gays then like straight people were going to die next that they were the front line in this war and you know i could i totally understand why act up did that the statistics did not bear that out i mean it was not true and but but the the aftermath is that now you know like 
the the advice to use condoms is like prevalent throughout both the gay and the straight communities. Yeah. Um, ironically, uh, gay people are probably more poised not to have to because they can use you know medic medic medications like PrEP, with, you know the the uh, viral inhibitors that allow them to have unprotected sex. And uh, you know, I mean, those things are available to straight people, but most straight people don't know it. So ironically, um, you know, straight people are kind of living the life now that they wanted gay people to live in the '80s. So uh, you know, being obsessed with with safe sex and so on. Um, I think there are some people who are aware of that, and that's also kind of feeding into the skepticism about monkeypox. Like, well, you know, they told us last time this was going to be you know, uh, not just about gay people, but it was going to be about all of us. But, you know, that turned out to not be entirely true. I think that that's a that's operating. But fundamentally, it just boils down to, you know, it's like you hear a disease is happening in, you know, it only afflict it only affects people who, you know, who who drive motorcycles. And it's like, well, I don't drive a motorcycle. So, you know, I'm not worried. Um, it's I, I think it's that it's that simple well and then could you imagine let's assume for a moment and it's not going to happen but just for you know a mental exercise monkeypox takes off it turns out that it's actually transmitted through aerosol through sneezing through you know a nasty look on the subway some kind of normal bodily function that we do in public um and it starts to explode and bloom and in fact in fact it affects many many americans could you imagine for a moment that we'd go back to lockdown or we'd go back to ma even wearing masks or any of that type of thing. I mean, Americans wouldn't do it. They just wouldn't do it. Well, it's like, it's interesting because look, um, the word quarantine, I, I heard this early on in the pandemic, uh, you know, it's, it's French for, and it means uh, 40 days. Um, and during the, uh, during the plague, uh, local authorities in France uh, just discovered, they determined that 40 days was not the the ideal amount of time to quarantine people in order to keep to until they were safe to go outside and uh, and and uh, interact with the public. That was not how that number was was determined at all. That number was determined because it's the maximum number of days people would stay inside without freaking out, and then just saying "fuck the bishop, I'm going out anyway." Um, so. Forty wow. days is like sort of the limit of human endurance when it comes to lockdown. Or at least it was for for medieval Frenchmen, um, and I, I don't think Americans have the endurance of a medieval Frenchman. <laughs> I would agree. Okay, well we're going to cut this out, and then we're going to come back, and we are going to get a special report live from the scene from our intrepid reporter Ted Rawl, live <laughs> from the former Soviet Union. We'll be back. Then right the DMZ America podcast is back. I'm Scott Stas coming to you from the right, and the mellifluous voice of Ted Rawl is coming to you from the left. <laughs> And he's also coming to us from St. Petersburg, uh, where he is currently. He just spent some time up there in Moscow. So, Ted, I, I, I'm dying to know. I've been asking you this the whole trip. What What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Um, you know, you should. I, I got to tell the listeners. You pointed your camera outside the window during one of our breaks, and the traffic is bumper to bumper, and right across the street, and right in front of the Galleria Mall there in St. Petersburg. Uh, 
so apparently the sanctions are doing their job. Would I be remiss <laughs> in that? Um, yeah, no, the uh, the sanctions are completely not affecting. Uh, there's no effect on the sanctions at all. I, I just went to the mall today, picked up a couple of things. Um, there, there were, interestingly, there's a number of American uh, stores in there, uh, some of which are closed due to the sanctions or due to more t- corporate decisions to adhere to the sanctions. So Starbucks is closed, but you know, there's a cafe right across the hall. Um, there's, uh, there's, uh, oh, Victoria's Secret is closed, but there's, you can buy lacy undergarments at other stores in this five-story mall. Um, there's literally nothing there that you, that, you know, there's a few American sto- closed stores that are closed, but there's literally nothing that anyone's going to miss or care about because, you know, like McDonald's is closed, but you can eat at Burger King. Um, and, and KFC is everywhere. Um, not to mention, you know, there's hamburgers all over the place in St. Petersburg or Moscow, right? So there's no uh, there's no practical effect. They have their own credit card system called Mir um, that is basically Visa and MasterCard. Almost all Russians use it. It's widespread. Um, the there's no one's losing their job. The, the economy has been completely sanction proofed. I remember what it was that you wanted to talk about the NPR. Thing. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> we didn't mention this before we started recording the segment. We were having a discussion. I got really heated about something. It really pisses me off. And here's how the West is. And this is why I want more information from Ted on his trip. But this morning, NPR reported that uh, you on uh, the war in Ukraine, the ongoing war in Ukraine and the Russian successes. Um, in how the Ukraine is, is is poised to, in the fall, is planning to retake several cities in the east. I'm going, why are you even reporting this? This is horseshit. And it falls into this whole guise of we want a narrative and we want the narrative to work, right? We saw Russia do something really awful in Ukraine, and I think it is truly awful. So we, what can we do? Should we send our boys and girls to be killed there? No. What can we do short of? We can have sanctions. Yeah, sanctions. That'll get them. And we'll really pound the shit out of them with these sanctions. And from what I'm hearing from my good friend, Ted, who I trust very, very much, nothing. Nada. Nothing. I mean, seriously, um, the only effect seems to be, I mean, and this is an effect in, uh, you know, tourist related, the tourist industry is suffering. Uh, they don't, uh, there's not as many, obviously, the flow of Westerners to uh, uh, hotels and restaurants uh, and so on uh, is, you know, dramatically reduced. But here's the thing, Scott, uh, what people will tell you is uh, it's sort of like, basically, um, they say, oh, we haven't seen any Americans in two years. And I'm like, oh, yeah. In other words, the sanctions, all they're really doing effectively is continuing the effect of the COVID restrictions on travel that have existed for two years. So the Russian economy already mm. got, you kind of got pre-sanctioned, uh, you know, back in the fall of, 20, in the spring of 2020. And so this is just sort of like, it doesn't come as any kind of shock, like the shock already occurred. It's not like, like the it's not like uh there were x number of american tourists and french tourists and so on here and then now they're not they've been gone for two two plus years 
So that's, you know, the adjustment already occurred. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. No, 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 it does. And I was also, I I hate to say this because I think he's a dictator. I think he is a, uh, I think he's a totalitarian, but Putin has positioned this Russia um, to handle this thing. He, he he thought well ahead of everybody else. And let's face it, the chess match being played internationally, not by, not by too smart, pretty much by dogs and then Putin. Um, he positioned, it sounds to me like, and to correct me if I'm wrong, that he's positioned Russia to totally absorb these sanctions without batting an eye. I mean, they had a, what, a one week dip in the ruble that was pretty significant and it came roaring back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and what you're hearing there is that, and you're, it sounds to me too, like the, your, the response to you being an American has not been negative or, or, Oh, it's, been, it's been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, the biggest danger is, you know, my liver is under attack from all the free drinks I'm getting at my local bar. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, people are so happy to see me. Um, you know, it's just like if people will hear me speaking in the street and, you know, Russians, at least in the cities, are not terribly friendly. I mean, they're glum. They don't smile. They don't make eye contact. But Sometimes when people hear you speak English, they're like, wait, they're like, where are you from? It's like, and you like, you tell them and they're like, what? That's so great. And you get a big, bright smile and they love it. I mean, nobody, not, there's not even a, 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 a soupçon of someone saying, oh, like how, how could you, uh, you know, you're from your shitty country that like imposed these terrible sanctions on us. Let me tell you, these sanctions are even more about cutting cutting America's nose off despite its face than I thought be, from coming here. I mean, it is. I thought that was the case theoretically, but coming here totally dramatically reaffirms it. Because the only practical effect is, look, they're not. Oh, I wanted to say this also, and I put this in my column. This is an important thing, man. You can watch anti. Um, you can watch anti uh, Russia stuff on international television right here i mean they they're airing cnn international um there's cnbc bbc all with highly critical um you know coverage of russia's war in ukraine uh they're you know it's there's they're not blocking the media here um the way that we're blocking rt and sputnik news uh you know in the u.s where you you it's very difficult to 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 uh watch or, or listen to either one. But, um, you know, the main effect is we're cutting these people away. They're not cut off from the world, but they're cut off from us and from Europe. And the effect is like, it's strengthening uh, President Putin and it's uh, making, you know, it's making nationalism rise to the fore. Um, people, they feel neglected, ignored, abandoned uh, by us. And you know the, the sanctions have the exact. If I think if you want to affect people and have an, any kind of um, you know impact on their politics or their culture, you have to engage with them, entertain, uh, interact with them, meet them, talk to them, drink with them, hang out with them, argue with them. But if you just say go, you take your toys and you go play in your own yard, they don't. You have no effect on them on them whatsoever. So one of the fears, at least expressed through the mainstream media here in the United States, is that this is creating a new axis, and the axis being Russia, China, and Iran. 
Um, do you see, I mean, does, is this something to be feared? Is this something to be, it seems to me almost a natural kind of organic alliance, but. Yeah, don't forget, India, don't forget India also seems to be playing a key role here. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that sort of soft axis has, um, is materializing. Um, just yesterday, a, a top um, Russian legislator, uh, you know, sort of made an off the cuff remark. Uh, for attribution that said that if uh, China goes to war over Taiwan, there's no reason why Russia shouldn't be at its side militarily. That's a big thing to say. Um, a, well, you know, obviously, it's just talking shit, but still. Yeah, I mean, their legislators have a habit of doing that. They Every once in a while, because the right wing media picks up on it, some nutbag from Siberia said, you know, Russia is truly ours. We should take it back. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, so China, I mean, I mean, obviously, the the funny part is, I, I don't think China would really need Russian assistance to take Taiwan, um, but it's you know it's just a funny thing to say. No, I mean, I mean, I think look, the U.S. has uh, just decided to uh, you know they they told the Chinese uh, over ten years ago that they Obama said that his policy was to encircle and contain China. He said that publicly, so the Chinese know that you know, we don't like them and we're not their friends. Um, obviously, we've imposed brutal sanctions, unprecedented sanctions on Russia. Uh, so, you know, they know that too. Um, India has been given the cold shoulder in favor of Pakistan by us. And obviously, Iran has been subject to brutal sanctions. Uh, really, at this point, there's no reason for those sanctions to exist over something that happened in 1979. But, uh, but anyway, that those go on. So it makes sense that all these major regional superpowers would, you know, pull together and help each other out, uh, you know, as we're trying to beat them up. But as Americans, should we be concerned about this? I mean, is this, are we looking are at we, expansionist? It's, stupid, looking? And it's, it's stupid and counterproductive, so we should stop it. I mean, <laughs> the way to stop it is to, is to, is to open, look, you know, you know, I know that like America's philosophy is when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but there are better ways to go about this. You know, I mean, freer, open, like more trade, open, you know, open diplomatic relations with Iran, uh, you know, meet with the Russians to discuss a peace agreement in Ukraine, um, you know, tell the Ukrainians that they're going to have to accept some territorial uh, concessions to, to Russia because that's just reality because they've lost this war. Um, the, uh, you know, and so on. I mean, obviously, it, you can't ignore or snub China. It's the biggest country on, on the planet. You can't snub or ignore India. It's the second biggest country on the planet. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's just our policies suck. Should we be concerned? Yeah, we should, we should stop it. But we're not going to be able to do this by brute strength or more sanctions or military encirclement. I mean, you know, it's just the world's too big. What do Can you I think? ask a stupid question? I well, I, I agree. I think this is organic. I think this is one of the most natural things in the world. If I was in their position, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Uh, yeah. And as you said, the the way America should respond to it is not aggressively, as as you know, you don't yeah sanctions. You don't deny them the right to to sustenance. You don't do any of that stuff. But you, I think, what we were doing, and I think Yeltsin was more well, when he was sober for those three minutes a day than Putin was, but to just extend a hand and say, what do you need? You know, um, and that always works better than, you know, than telling your neighbor to shut the fuck up. You know, I mean, 
it, it just it, it just makes more it's more humans but we always seem to go through this and as you said we see a we see a problem it's a nail or a hammer so bang 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 man that's what's going to happen um can i ask a stupid question there are no stupid questions there are only stupid co-podcasters okay thank you <laughs> i'm just kidding wait what <laughs> <laughs> um you, you travel through europe english is a dominant language. I mean, you really can go anywhere now. You can go in rural Italy, rural France, uh, and even rural England, and they speak English. Well, not England as much, but um, do they speak English now a lot? And here, here's the reason I ask. There's background to this. I traveled uh, when the wall came down in 90, early 90s. I traveled. I was in a fellowship in Berlin, and then afterwards went down to Prague. Everybody there had was taught two languages, but it was Czech and it was Russian. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, if you went west of the uh, of the of the wall of the, of the Iron Curtain, rather, uh, you know, it was the you know the native language and English. Um, mm -hmm. Do they do they speak English? And is, is is there is there a language problem in in either Moscow or Saint Petersburg? Um, you, not everybody. I wouldn't say it's normal for everybody to speak English, but you will generally, if you are even in a small group, let's say there's four Russians, probably one of them can speak English. Um, with, you know, obviously with varying degrees of skill and aptitude, uh, you know, far more than the last time I was here in Russia. Uh, they when was that? It was 2000. So it was 22 years ago. And they have, everything is all the street signs, the metro stops, everything has an English translation. Really? The Cyrillic, even local street signs even in residential areas. And um, I think, you know, that was part of when Putin first came to power, he had said that he really wanted to be close to the West and to the United States. And I think, you know, that was part, that goes back to that period where they really tried to make Russia feel like an international country. Um, they, 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 they tried pretty hard, you know, to make things easy for us. I mean, you know, there's no translations of, English signs into, you know, Russian anywhere in the United States or, or yeah. like, or, or, or even Spanish really hardly any, anywhere, barely, maybe a few. Interesting. So, uh, Have you spent you know, any time outside of the cities? Have you talked to anyone out in the rural areas? Not yet. No. You're going to? Uh, maybe tomorrow. Okay. Possible day trip. Nice. Okay. Good. Let me know. Obviously you're keep us posted. I will. And then you'll be moving on. We'll do the podcast next week from another secret undisclosed location somewhere overseas. That's where true. Where, oh, well, where is Ted Raw? <laughs> <laughs> International really want to know. Well, if there's a, a we're known, drone somewhere that wants to know. <laughs> this is fascinating. I'm living vicariously through you. I, this is a place I'd love to go. I'd like to go. I'd actually like to get up. My name is Lithuania. I'd like to get to Lithuania. You uh, but obviously... You know, you can literally walk to Moscow from there. So not literally, that's a joke. But well, it's pretty the Germans close. tried. It didn't go very well. <laughs> they did try. A lot of people have tried. Just an amazing country. I mean, you have, you have to have, I mean, especially I'm just looking, been watching some documentaries on World War II. And I knew very little about the Russian theater. But wow. Holy Mary, mother of God, what those people went through. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Honestly, that informs a lot of what's going on here with Ukraine. I mean, you have to imagine, I mean, during World War II, 
and this was the biggest land invasion in human history, right? 25 to 30 million Russians were killed in this war. It's the biggest number of people that's ever died in any kind of conflict in the history of the planet. And where did the Germans invade from? They came through Ukraine. And that's where they came in. That's the softest of all underbellies to, of the of the Soviet border. That's how they how they came into Russia. And like not only that, when they came in, the Ukrainians greeted the Nazis as liberators and threw flowers in front of their tanks and uh, and for a time cooperated with them until they they figured out what the Nazis were all about. And the Nazis were out to kill them too, <laughs> but and there was a Ukrainian anti-Nazi resistance, but that wasn't their first response. And so, from the Russian point of view, imagine if, like, you know, the U.S. had been invaded uh, via Tijuana, uh, and that we had lost 30 million citizens in a war to repel the uh, Mexican forces back across the border. Man, we'd be looking at that border. <laughs> very very much more hardly much more hard yeah. than yeah. we do today you know and we would not accept a hostile a hostile regime in mexico i mean i don't we just wouldn't we look ronald reagan refused to accept a hostile regime in grenada um he he you know jfk refused to accept one in cuba and they don't even border the united states they're they're just islands you know I mean, this is yeah, but you're talking about yeah, the nut, the nutmeg, the nutmeg trade, and that's 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 really important to Americans. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put in our nog. I mean, come I on. mean, I think that's that. No, I mean, it's a. By the way, there's a great <laughs> book called Ivan's War that I strongly recommend. It's about the uh, Soviet, uh, the Russians, the Eastern Front uh, in World War II. Fascinating stuff. So, um, well, that about. We'll talk to you next time as you go moving on, Ted. I hope you get out of the city. I'd love to hear what they're what they're saying in the countryside. Uh, where can we see your work? Uh, well, you can see it, but I cannot at gocomics.com slash Ted Rawl. <laughs> uh, you can also go to sputniknews.com or rawl.com, or you can also go to the CounterPoint newsletter, which you and I are both in, and subscribe. Occasionally. Okay. And you can see my work at gocomics.com. Apparently Ted can't because it's I'm having a really great week. Uh, go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word, or gocomics.com slash Prickly City, my comic strip. Or you can go to chicagotribune.com slash opinion, and you can see a gallery of my work. Um, <clears throat> Ted, apparently I'm choking up just knowing that you're in St. Petersburg. <laughs> uh, safe travels, man. Uh, just be careful. Um, you know, don't, hey, don't... I'm not the one who lives in Alabama. <laughs> well, but I can still have a, a weed vape pen in my suitcase and I won't be thrown in jail for 10 years. Yeah. And wait, but is weed legal in Alabama? Is, no. It's, has it been decriminalized? But they're not smart enough to know what a vape pen is. Oh, right. Good point. But, or, okay. or, to scrape, or to scrape it out. Or they wouldn't have any lab techs who could figure out what it was. No, no. They'd have a dog. <laughs> okay. just, just a dog. Just a dog. <laughs> okay, man. Take care, and we'll see you guys, everyone, next time. Bye. Bye, Scott. Bye, Ted.